Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 71, as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. Today, we shift our focus back to operational resilience, as I'm joined by Sarah Garrington. Sarah and I get into a detailed conversation about the difference between business continuity and operational resilience. But if you think this is a tired, old, boring conversation, think again. There's still a lot of confusion about the difference between these two things, and Sarah does an outstanding job in explaining it to us. In fact, we get so deep, it's too much for just one episode. Sarah talks about how leveraging the conversation around resilience makes us more relevant as continuity professionals. The Resilient Journey is now ad-free, so be sure to give some love to the Resilience Think Tank for sponsoring this podcast. Now, here's Sarah. Sarah, welcome back to the podcast. We were talking uh, not too long ago, and it was like this time last year, January of 2022, when you were here. Uh, I'm happy to have you back. Uh, so I, this is a complicated opening question for you. I didn't mean it for it to be this complicated. So here are three things that we need from you. Quick introduction. Tell us something that we might not otherwise know about you. And then today we're talking about operational resilience and why are you the person that we should have brought to the podcast to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thank you for having me. Um, so introduction-wise, um, I'm Sarah Garrington. I am... Um, work at the moment within the financial services sector in the UK and um, I've been within business continuity and crisis management for eight or nine years now um, I forget which try not to remember um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, and I've worked you know uh, among financial services legal services professional services so I've delivered BC and kind of operational resilience programs to a number of organizations um, with regards to something that people might not know about me, um, I used to be a professional actress, so that's um, that's usually my go-to fact. <laughs> I did not know that. Come on, I did. <laughs> I did. Um, so yeah, I trained as an actress, did that for a few years, um, decided that it didn't pay the bills, and then obviously made the natural transition to business continuity management. <laughs> because as an actress, you have to be resilient a hundred percent actually it did teach me a lot with regards to personal resilience like yep. i would challenge anyone who thinks that they're personally resilient to go into an audition room um because it it tests you <laughs> well it so. does I, i'm gonna let you finish the opening question and then i want to go back to something on that um so okay we're talking about operational resilience today why you <laughs> why me um so <laughs> What a question. Um, to be honest, I think that there's a, a plethora of different people that could actually offer their insight into this conversation. Of course. My USP from this perspective, I think, is the fact that I have worked in a number of different organisations and I've seen operational resilience from, you know, the first hand from somebody that needs to comply with regulation, needs to deliver operational resilience also from the side of a supplier who has their clients saying what are you doing about operational resilience and it's sitting side you know outside of that kind of compliance space as well um also having a bit of insight into business continuity and delivering business continuity programs and operational resilience programs i like to think that i've kind of got that insight of both sides of the field so 
Um, these are also, you know, my opinions. Everyone else has got different opinions, but that's why I would suggest that my opinion is potentially valid within this question in this space. Yeah, and obviously I agree that it's valid. Otherwise, you know, we would be talking about something else. Uh, <laughs> and I do want to talk about something else for just a quick second. What you said a, a minute ago is 100% right. So if you've ever had the need to audition for something, you're really putting yourself out there. And rejection yeah. is a very high likelihood. It's not a possibility. It's a, a yeah. high likelihood. And we can learn a lot from whatever backgrounds we're coming from. And I'm sure you lean on some of your training uh, as an actress uh, all, all the time. A hundred percent, all yeah. the time. And that's the thing that, you know, I think that um, actually from a personal resilience perspective, when you're dealing with things like crisis management, there's a lot required of your own personal resilience to kind of keep mm -hmm. on top of things, have all these people coming and asking you for help and support all the time. And actually, yeah. from a personal resilience perspective, it was very good um, for me, I think, to yeah learn from those experiences that I had. And like you said, I think that there's so many things that are so far removed from what we do now, but you can actually just take little nuggets of them and build them into professional kind of life. So yeah, there's always something you can learn. I agree with you. I feel like um, I was telling somebody this just the other day, the things that we're about to do with the Resilience Think Tank and there's a little bit of a hint, a little bit of a tease. Stay tuned because there's some big news coming. I feel like the last six, seven, eight years have trained me for what's uh, about to come. And it's interesting how we just continue to level up, uh, you know, if you if you want to put it in terms of a video game. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the topic here. And frankly, I'm a little bit irritated that we still have to be having this conversation. Uh, at the time of this recording, it's the end of January of 2023, and we're still asking this question, what's the difference between business continuity and business resilience? And there's part of me that's like, come on, how can we still be having this conversation? But we are, uh, and we are because it's needed. So Sarah, let me ask you, what is the difference between those two things? So um, I agree with you that, you know, we are still having the conversation and hopefully I'm hoping that, you know, we'll get to the bottom of that partly today, but then also, you know, in, in the not too distant future. For me, the difference is that one's proactive and one's reactive. That you know, business continuity is reacting to an event to continue your business, whereas business resilience is making sure that it doesn't matter what that kind of disruption or event is that your business doesn't even really feel the bump in the road. You know, um, like business continuity is an airbag in your car. Business resilience is the suspension. Um, you know, so it's kind of that riding the road and it, it doesn't kind of matter what's happening that you can kind of feel um, feel those bumps, but kind of move on with them rather than kind of that safety measure that you in, invoke at kind of the last minute when something has gone wrong. And um, I did, bear with me on this, I did go down a little kind of etymology wormhole <laughs> with regards to continuity and resilience, all that sort of stuff. And I am going to read from a piece of paper here because I don't want to get it wrong. So the Cambridge Dictionary says that continuity is the unbroken and consistent existence of something, whereas resiliency is the ability to be successful after something bad has happened, and I quite like that differentiation in the fact mm -hmm. that continuity is just, you know, it's stable. It's, um, you know, it's making sure that something is kind of there, 
you know, and it's unbroken. Whereas resilience is like that recoil. It's the fact that it doesn't matter it's happened, but we're successful despite the the event happening. Um, so yeah, I thought that that was a nice little differentiation. I, I like that. And you're right. Uh, and I really like what you said about being proactive versus reactive. Uh, and for those who are listening right now thinking, oh, you know, I don't know, maybe they're in Canada or the US and this doesn't pertain to you. Uh, hold on here just a second. Yes, operational resilience is uh, being regulated in the UK and the financial industry, but in Canada, it's coming as well. Uh, I do have a client uh, in the financial industry in Canada. And as of December, we've been put on alert that operational resilience is coming here as well. And I guarantee you it's it's not going to stop just with those two countries. No, absolutely. There's so many regulators globally that are starting to kind of um, release policy statements, release guidance, release consultation around operational resilience. And I think actually partly that might add to the confusion in the fact that, you know, they've maybe got slightly differing views themselves. So if you take business continuity, it's kind of done in a similar way, regardless of where you are in the world, that people kind of understand, you know, what the process looks like. Whereas operational resilience or business resilience or whatever kind of the regulator chooses to call it in whichever jurisdiction focuses on kind of different elements. And until we kind of have that one consistent view, that might be slightly challenging. But, you know, I've, I've got a map um, that I use at work quite a lot. And Norton Rose Fulbright um, have also got a web page that's about regulation uh, relating to operational resilience. And you can see all these different countries starting to release their policy statements and guidance. So it is definitely coming. Um, and it is something that I think, whether we want it to or not, it, it is going to have kind of slightly different focus areas in different jurisdictions. But, you know, to go back to that earlier point, we are going to have to ride the bumps in the road until we do all kind of have that common understanding of what that looks like. Do you think part of the confusion is intentionally self-inflicted by people in our industry who are opposed to change? Yes, 100% yes. And I think that, you know, we've been through this journey before when people used to call it disaster recovery into business continuity, into resilience, you know, and the amount of people that I'll still have conversations with that still call it disaster recovery. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think that there's always a bit of kind of, you know, um, people may be feeling tentative about change. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's our jobs, isn't it? So people kind of worrying, does this make me, you know, redundant? Does this make me, you know, it mean I'm not relevant anymore in the profession? And I would argue that's not the case. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it is a name, it's a change in view. It's the opposite. I would say it yeah. makes you more relevant. Yeah, I agree. In I would say that what makes you irrelevant is if you resist it and, yeah. and try to keep things the way they have been. Yeah. And, you know, actually all this regulatory kind of insight and focus isn't a bad thing because actually it gets you that seat at the top table or gets you that, you know, 15 minutes in the board meeting where you can say, look, this is what I do. This is what I can bring to the organization as opposed to being somebody that, you know, and I'm not saying that people do this, but being that person that just kind of comes out, you know, to test a plan once a year and kind of, you know, goes away again. It's It brings relevancy to what we do. Right. And you'll remember a couple of years ago in the middle of the, the pandemic, 
people were complaining a lot that their organizations didn't see value in what they were doing. Yeah. And by focusing more on resilience, we have the opportunity to change that. So I've been hearing a lot of terms. You used a, a, a number of terms. You used business resilience, operational resilience. Of course, we hear organizational resilience. Now we're starting to hear enterprise resilience. Does any of this matter what it's called? I would argue no. Um, on the caveat that, you know, your regulator and your peers and your board, et cetera, don't have a specific requirement about what you call it. But I think that if you see it as a marketing tool within your organization, so, you know, going back to what I was just saying, this is what you can bring to your organization. So you could call it, I don't know, Project Pineapple, if you wanted to, mm -hmm. um, and still deliver operational resilience. And it's about output rather than a naming convention. I will say, however, um, so Forbes have this um, article all about branding and, and marketing and things like that. And they say that kind of what you call your project, your function, whatever it is, your business has a direct link to your credibility. So obviously, if you choose to call it Project Pineapple, you might get a few raised eyebrows, um, whereas actually calling it operational resilience or business resilience is fine if, if that's what your organization needs. You know, I'm mindful that you get some organizations that might have struggled to embed business continuity or, you know, more broadly than being that person that comes out and tests the plan once a year. Maybe this is an opportunity for a rebrand and they're kind of, you know, this is something new and exciting. So it, it kind of all depends on the organization, I think. But as long as it's giving the output that's needed and that kind of driver towards an increased resiliency, to be honest, I don't really think it matters what, what we kind of call these programs, like I say, as long as they're delivering that output. I saw a post on LinkedIn a few weeks ago in which someone, and I can't even remember who it was, said, if you have a business continuity program, you are 75% on your way towards a business resilience program, which sparked a whole lot of debate over the percentage. Oh, no, it's 90%. Oh, no, it's not 90%. It's like, what difference does it make? The point that this person was trying to make is that if you've done a business continuity program well, yeah. the foundation is there, isn't it, for yeah. resilience? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's all about, you know, finding that golden thread between business continuity, regulatory compliance, business resilience. So, you know, um, you need to understand your risks. You need to understand how much disruption you can tolerate. You need to make sure that you're always you know improving that position with regards to your kind of risks so actually these are all things that are in both a business continuity program and an operational resilience or enterprise resilience or business resilience program and actually you know you can directly link those back to regulatory need as well so to be honest leveraging what you already have in place to me seems the most sensible and you know um efficient use of everyone's time anyway um so, yeah, no, I would argue that a lot of kind of resilience requirements, you can hang off business continuity programs that are already going to be in place. Yeah. And so let's go back to a client that I have that we did business continuity. We never really focused on operational resilience. Now it looks like we're going to have to. And I was happy to be able to tell the customer, um, OK, but we don't have to throw away anything that we've done. 
might need yeah. to tighten some things up. We might need to dig deeper in some areas of dependencies, understanding the end-to-end view of things and so forth. But it is not diametrically opposed to what we've yeah. already been doing. Why is this so complicated? Absolutely. That's the thing that I think people get scared by it a little bit as well, you know, that they think it's this big, new, scary um, monster that we all need to do something completely different with. Whereas there is so much that, you know, people will already have in place that you can just leverage um, for any sort of resilience program. And yes, there will be new things that you need to maybe define in a different way or build in a different way. But actually, by building on the really strong foundations that people will already have in place, it's just going to kind of make your your program more successful. Resilience, though, is not just a regulatory need. It's beyond that, isn't it? Yeah, I would argue it's it's almost the backbone to sustainable growth that mm. as an organization, if you're not resilient. So, you know, there are all these things that have happened over the past three or four years that everyone would have said 10 years ago, oh, that, that would never happen. Right. You know, we've got like you kind of were saying, it's the end of January at the minute. We've got war in Europe. We've got, um, you know power blackouts you know rolling blackouts we've got extreme weather events that's hitting parts of europe that people would always go you know that doesn't that doesn't happen in the uk we've got um you know pandemics and these are all things that 10 years ago 15 years ago everyone would have said oh, that that would never happen and it's more than regulation in the fact that it means that you can react to these events learn from these events but then make sure that when these events do happen again, or if they happen again, that you're primed and ready to kind of deal with those, or they have less of an impact on your organization, rather than, you know, having that crisis response and business continuity, and then kind of, you know, putting your plan away in a drawer, and that's it. You just hit the nail right on the head. It's proactive thinking so that whatever happens has less of an impact. And by less of an impact, what we mean is, an impact that doesn't reach the threshold of causing a disruption, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's about, you know, understanding from a customer lens, so not the business lens, but the customer lens, what's really important to the organization, what's really important to the customer, would they agree on those two things, which I think is kind of a different conversation. But then, you know, the next time that, a pandemic really hoping it doesn't but next time a pandemic happens that from a customer perspective they can sit there and go that organization learned from you know 2020 and i'm they've got my faith they've got my you know they can take my money i'll buy their services because i believe that they are resilient and they're taking these sorts of things on board so i think part of the problem here with the acceptance of resilience and 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 the mindset of uh, of operational resilience is that we really need to start to embed these activities, embed the program into the business. This is not just, you've referred to it a couple of times as test the plan once a year. Yeah. This is not just sit back at my desk and send out surveys once a year to update a BIA and then say, oh, we have a business continuity plan and we're done. There's real effort required here. Yeah, absolutely. There's real effort to make your you know, at the end of the day, your customers, who are the people that you really need to keep happy, make them feel valued. And the fact that you really care 
about the services that you deliver to them. So despite a pandemic, uh, you know, extreme weather event, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. you've done the work to make sure that you will continue your services to those customers. And I think that, that that's it really. Like you say, it's really about embedding and going full circle to make sure that, you know, you're learning, but thinking about all these kind of things and really driving that kind of cultural shift as well. You talked about branding a minute ago, and I want to jump on that. Do I need a business continuity program and a resilience program, two different programs, or do I rebrand my business continuity program, which I always tend to refer to as business continuity management? What what do we do there? Is it is it is it a name change for branding? What what's your recommendation? My recommendation is do what your organization needs. So. If you need a business resilience program because your business continuity program is delivering something else, then yeah, fair enough, launch one. If actually there's a slight expansion in scope of your business continuity program to check all these boxes that you need for from a resilience perspective, then maybe that's the best thing to do as well. I don't think that it needs to be um, an enforcement to have lots of different programs, you know, because there's a new buzzword that's come out. We don't necessarily need to have that knee-jerk reaction. Again, thinking about, like, efficiency of people, let's go back to the drawing board a little bit and kind of look at the scope of the programs we've already got in place. And it could actually sit somewhere outside of business continuity. It could sit in a completely different team that really owns and drives business resilience. And that's okay. Um, you know, but don't feel the need to just have another program for a program's sake if it's not going to deliver something that the organization would find value in. So maybe you need two programs. Maybe you need to rebrand. Maybe you just stick with what you already do. But again, it's kind of going back and going, what does the business really need? And what do our customers really need? And how can we kind of adopt adopt what we need to, to, to really make sure that those two things are kind of in harmony with one another? So n- now even I'm a little bit confused and I'm going to push back on, <laughs> on your last answer. And having two programs confuses me. And it would seem to me that if I was running the business continuity program, and then they brought in Sarah to run the business resilience program. Yeah. That Sarah and I wouldn't get along. I would be defensive around Sarah. I would be uh what's the word I'm looking for? I would be put out by Sarah. Uh I would feel like Sarah is on my turf. So give me an example. Why does it why would it make sense to to have the two programs? So I think business continuity can be um, something that supports overall business resilience, but so can so many other things. And, you know, to achieve organizational resilience or enterprise resilience, whatever kind of words you want to use, there are lots of different component parts that, you know, build that picture. So whether that's supplier resilience, whether that's technology resilience, business continuity management, premises, you know, people, these are all different component parts that build that wider, you know, picture um, around organizational resilience. So I think that you can have two programs that absolutely work in harmony with one another. Or maybe even just a subset uh, of the one program or something like that, because in your yeah. scenario, I work for you now. <laughs> and see, now I'm even more put out that here yeah. I was running business. Con- but, uh, you know, we're we're joking about it here a little bit. 
but I think it also brings to light what some people might be feeling like their organization, yeah. particularly if an organization didn't necessarily see that much value in business continuity. And yeah. now they're saying, look, we're going to keep business continuity, but now we're bringing in resilience. I, you can see why now people have their backs up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I can. And I think that, you know, where there's a regulatory need, you know, and where there's not a regulatory need, you might have two kind of separate um, approaches. So mm -hmm. you could always consider having a program that just delivers that regulatory, you know, um, compliance, I suppose, and then hand it off into BAU, which might hand it into the business continuity world. And it's just kind of that initial setup that needs a specific resource to come in. But again, it's kind of, you know, what works for the organisation that if you've got um, a global organisation that has, you know, lots of different regulatory needs to meet, that have lots of different operational or just resilience kind of, um, you know, things that they need to comply with, with their guidance or, or kind of rule. Actually having somebody come in who's a specialist, who understands all that sort of stuff, at the end of the day, it'll actually make everyone else's lives easier because it's their job to know, you know, what's going on in Australia as well as Canada, as well as the UK, for instance. Yeah. Whereas from a business continuity perspective, you can really drive that value when the program has been handed into a BAU state and support the output of that program. Um, and I, I do understand that it is kind of, it's change at the end of the day and people do find change sometimes disconcerting. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's a huge opportunity that comes with that as well. So actually for people, if they do feel slightly put out maybe there's no harm in kind of having a conversation with you know whoever it might be to say actually I really want that program resilience is coming in my country I want to do it give it to me right you know? I completely agree and there's two or three things I want to say about that so the first thing is don't get put out by it you need to embrace it yeah. and if you feel like uh, it's an extension of the program then step up and like you said ask for it if you yeah. need some training, that's what the Resilience Think Tank, uh, as a resource, we are here to help with things like that. A little bit of a, a tease about maybe some things <laughs> that are still to come. And uh, I really, really like that. It's time to be proactively resilient ourselves and to say, you know what? Yeah, we, we probably need to morph this a little bit ourselves. Absolutely. You know, the change is going to happen whether people like it or not. And you know, this actually goes broader than resilience, where a, cha a change is coming. And actually, you know, it's one of those things whether you can kind of grumble about it or proactively embrace it and see the opportunity. So, yeah. you know, it's it's a mindset thing at the end of the day. And like I say, that, that kind of sounds um, a bit broader than business resilience. Um, but yeah, see the opportunity, grab it, get excited about it. Because at the end of the day, if we are just kind of sticking to what we already know all the time, life can get a bit boring, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really think that that's important. And I don't think it matters how long you've been in the industry, whether it's just a couple of years or no. seven or eight years like you or, you know, 20 plus years for me. Look, as soon as you stop learning, you're in trouble. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. We did not leave enough time for where I wanted to go next. We're right at the end of our time. Uh, but my next question was going to be, let's talk about the key activities that are required to implement and achieve resilience. How about this? 
can we set up another time where you can come back yeah we um we can flesh out those kind of top three things to really like deal with each one and go into it in a little bit more detail rather than just a high level but i would say that there's two <laughs> things i want to talk about in, the, in part two of this uh mm-hmm. conversation number one what are the key activities that should be implemented to achieve resilience yeah and number two what advice would we both give to that business continuity professional yeah who now wants to run a resilience program yeah those two topics they'll be part two of our continued definitive guide to operational resilience. How's that sound? Perfect. Yeah, perfect. I want to thank Sarah Garrington for being my guest uh, on the podcast this week as we begin our deep dive into operational resilience. And we're going to get deeper into that conversation in part two, which is next week. A huge thanks to the Resilience Think Tank for sponsoring the podcast. And I want you to pay close attention in the coming weeks to a very major announcement coming your way regarding the Resilience Think Tank. Part two with Sarah on operational resilience is next week, so join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.